0: Are you aware that you've talked about nothing but yourself?
1: Well, who are you talking about? Everybody talks about themselves.
0: You fuck up our evening.
1: You. I fuck up your evening? Yes. I fuck up your evening? I, I fuck up your evening? Yes, yes, don't get excited. You're saying it's me who fucked up your evening. How many more times are you going to say it? Just answer the question. Are you saying it's me who fucked up your evening?
2: You arrive three quarters of an hour late. You don't apologize. You swamp
1: us with your domestic woes.
0: And your inertia, your sheer neutral spectator's inertia, has lured Mark and me into the worst excesses.
1: You too? You're starting in on me too?
0: Yes, because on this subject, I'm entirely in agreement with him. You create the conditions of conflict.
2: You've been piping up with this finicky, subservient voice of reason ever since you arrived.
1: It's intolerable. You know, I could burst into tears. I could start crying right now. I'm very close to tears. Cry. Cry. Cry! You're telling me to cry! You got every reason to
2: cry. You're losing your two best friends. You're marrying a Gorgon.
1: So is that it?
2: It's all over? You said it yourself. What's the point of seeing each other if we hate each other? What about my wedding? You're my witnesses, remember?
0: Find someone else.
2: I can't! You can pick someone else at the last minute. You're not allowed
0: to! Of course you are!
2: You're not! Don't panic, we'll come.
0: But what you should do is cancel the wedding.
2: He's right. Oh, shit.
1: What have I ever done to you? Shit! (laughs) The theater, the theater. Theater. To be or not to be.
3: Theater.
0: Theater. Theater. The, the Hi, friends. Oh. <laughs> Hi,
1: friend. How do? Hey. How old do? Friend. What do you say, <laughs> old friend? <laughs> Did it, Does it mer- merrily we roll along? Oh, yeah oh boy. I do not know that musical, yeah, I know it, well, me, it's huh? the one he did like right before or right after company, and it bombed, and it's the one mm-hmm. that um what's his name is doing um doing the twenty year shooting of it's, oh. it's a story of three friends, and it goes it starts at the end of their relationship, their friendship, and then goes backwards to the beginning. Right, so, you see so it's like
2: it. one half of last five
1: years. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, or like betrayal, which is oh. a pinter play that's all backwards, oh, right? right. That's or right yeah. Oh, that's a pinter play. I Memento. don't know. Oh, betrayal! You don't know betrayal? That's the betrayal. one. I think that was the first pinter play I was handed, actually.
2: Oh, yeah. Because I cool. saw a pinter horror. on yeah. the
0: West End. In Ew. fact, there yeah. I've got
2: some pinter crossover in this. Ep- well, same. In this episode specifically, I do. Yeah, so. same. What? Yeah, uh,
0: there's it's a lot. Very of obscure, but Pinter. I'm
2: excited about it. Uh,
0: the f- I think betrayal is a little more populist in terms of his plays. Like it's a little easier to stomach for an audience, which is why it um, is known more maybe in like a, a scene study circles. For I sure. guess. I right. Uh, it's got some good scene work there. Uh, hi guys yes. podcasting um i uh i just got to get this out there i think i said it on the last episode too but i wanted to make sure to say this we talked about alan S- Silvestri on the terrence mcnally episode right right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pretty deeply um and we talked about the back to the future musical i just want to make sure we said it i think i've said it on like three episodes now <laughs> Silvestri also did the entire avengers score and the themes for like Captain America and Thor. To my yeah. meh, yeah. yeah, which are not like <laughs> yeah. particularly great, uh, uh but they are memorable when you're watching Endgame and you're like, for sure, for have sure, yeah. fist up in he the bi- air. He
2: build- yeah, build- He builds. On. He ain't no John Williams.
0: Yeah, well, huh, that's <laughs> <He> true. <is. laughs> but like the Back to the Future score is is legendary, uh, right? For like, sure. yeah. One. um uh welcome to theater theater the theater podcast for theater nerds made by three theater makers from the la theater scene i'm jay bailey bircham i'm cj merriman and i am scott leggett and each week, we get together to discuss. I hate myself now. Really. what a pretentious no, asshole. Sorry, I'm so um, sorry. Scott Leggett. <laughs> right. yes.
2: No, we Is can. Is that Winston Churchill? A little bit. We can afford a little <laughs> bit of pretension
0: on this episode. Yeah. Uh, but each week, we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights by taking a macro look at three of their plays. This week, we finish our mini series covering Nope we don't finish anything.
1: We begin. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh my god. Where where was I? Oh,
0: I I've was... lost my damn mind. <laughs> this week we begin our uh, mini series covering the works of the French playwright Yasmina Reza. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's Pot of Carnage. Yeah. yeah. That's a good
2: one. Beautiful. Good yeah.
0: We will be discussing uh three of her plays. What are they, Scott?
1: Uh, we're going to be talking about Art, The Unexpected Man, and God of Carnage.
0: That's right. And we'll probably get to God of Carnage and a little bit more of Unexpected Man next time because I figure we're going to dive pretty deep into art. There's a lot mm-hmm. to say there. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: I'm excited about this one, y'all.
1: Yeah. it's It, it, it was great. It, it, it was great to... to de- well, there's one... The Unexpected Man I had never read or seen. Same. It was a, it was, it was a treat to discover that one. Um, and then... I, I mean, this has been one of the great things about the podcast. as much as I've loved discovering new people. It's the rediscovery and going back and and checking things out. And you're coming up with reassessments and thinking about the experiences and context, which I'm sure we're about to we're about to get into. But, yeah, yeah, it's this one this one was fun. it was it was a lighter. Was it lighter for you guys in terms of like, there are times just in terms yes. of reading, getting through the plays and what we've scheduled and like doing research and, and all that. This was well, I also uh, took a cue from CJ and actually started planning ahead a little bit, <laughs> <of scheduling, laughs> trying to be ahead on. And so I don't have to read two plays in a day. And uh, Well,
0: and when we've been doing things like Ibsen, I mean, not Ibsen, A.N.S.
2: Those yeah. were hard for me to read through. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's tough. Uh, yeah. Those it... were
1: four hours of slog for me. Like, yeah. I don't mean it as a slog. Like I enjoyed or them night really... the yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I night, night of the iguana. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say the iguana was like five hours for me to read. Yeah. yeah.
0: I was about to say even Williams was dense. Cause it was just like, yeah, you know, the couple of them, but we chose some, we chose sweet bird of youth and, and, and night of the iguana things. I wasn't super, uh, akin to yet. And I was, uh, I was just like, this is dense stuff, y'all. And this was very light. This Mm -hmm. felt a little bit more like I was enjoying myself reading these things. I didn't Mm -hmm. feel like it was homework, which I don't always. Right. Uh, right, right. But with Inesco, it did feel a bit like homework.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, you're dealing with, uh, you know, absurdism and 70-year-old absurdism on top of all that. Right. How much experience we've had with it and how much it resonates with us. It's It's a, it was just, that's just a harder, more complicated thing than sure. a more modern you know a modern woman writing plays
0: and I did find I I found some similarities to other playwrights in these mm-hmm. three plays in mm-hmm. fact the first one we're going to talk about art I felt a lot of McNally in there
4: mm. mm-hmm. you
0: know um, and with the other two there, you know, there's other things uh, I'll relate it to later when we talk about them but I you know it feels like she's sort of just a part of the ether of theater she's she's she gets it and she's got all the ton- she's got tons of tonys um mm. and we're gonna and, get into and it.
1: oliviers and molieres drama desks and Moliere's, she, 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 and yeah she's it's got all over a the lot. place but
0: f- it's kind of amazing for how simple these plays are
1: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah.
0: And they're
2: short too. I mean, like or, they're all one acts. They well, sit down and then you leave when they're over.
1: Well, you're right. I mean, I'll argue that they're deceptively simple, but we'll get True. into that. In
0: sure. more. True. But in I, what I really mean is, in theory, uh, uh, a low budget community theater could put any of these on to any success. Of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because... I, think that, I
1: think that's why she's so beloved and why her stuff is done all over the world all yes. the time. Like I was reading an older article so it's got to be more since then but they were talking like her plays have earned almost 200 million euro around the world so what's Shit. that That wow. count, you know we're probably talking 300 350 million dollars yeah in, in that money you know translated so it's she's she's a hit and i think that that's that's a huge reason why it's like yeah you can do this in a black box with three yeah channels. Mm -hmm. or four chairs however many chairs you you need but
0: you're also right it's not quote-unquote simple
1: no
2: it's it's sophisticated stuff like it almost felt like contemporary restoration to me it's like wealthy Mm. person farce right
1: good
0: way to put it or or even like a wealthy person's Moliere I mean excuse me a a modern um a modern civilized version of Moliere yeah Yeah. for sure for
1: sure um, and I, I think I agree totally with both of you. And the other thing that struck me, and as I went digging, is that her approach to it uh, is is similar. You ha- you kind of have to get a uh, get it wrapped around your head, in the same way that you have to kind of get David Lynch wrapped wrapped around your head and what David Lynch is trying to do. Like David Whoa. Lynch thing is, I'm trying to get from my subconscious, from this edge of sleep subconscious to the screen as quickly as possible. I want as little in between my head and that screen as I can get. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you get the weirdness that is David Lynch. But once you understand that, then suddenly David Lynch isn't a weirdo. He's yeah. a dude that's trying to connect with his subconscious and, and his, his, his dream world. And with her, I felt like what I learned about her was that she writes instinctively. She's not trying to tackle a huge idea. She's right. taking the spark of an idea, r- creating it and then letting it loose. Like I felt and I felt I feel like a lot of the criticism about her are people that don't quite get like it's kind of a grenade play. They're kind of they hit you while you're watching them or reading them and then you're going to process those for a long time afterwards. They just the little things that keep creeping into your head. And then, like, I noticed, like, my interactions with people and some of the conversations I've had with with people since reading these. Like, especially people that I've got to hang up with or, or you bugged out with. Like, I'm like, oh, shit. Wow. she She's tapped into that in, in right. an interesting way.
2: I personally, I have been in the personal assistant biz for almost 14 years now. And I have worked like I worked in Beverly Hills for six years. And so I think I particularly enjoyed these because I think it is making fun of wealthy people and the shit that they talk about and the shit that they care about. So it's it was it was just it was fun for me to read or not even
0: making fun of as much as just like mirroring.
2: Yeah. 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 Right. Which,
0: like kind of just being which to like, me Look. just m-
2: makes me laugh. It's why I love watching yeah. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I'm like, I've worked for yeah. people like this before.
0: Sure. Yeah. And for me, Reza is very she she tends to write about one single theme, like the whole play. And I actually texted Scott at one point when I was kind of mulling over art. I read it twice. But the first time I was like, I was like, is this because I didn't know art. It was it was a weird blind spot for me that I didn't know it. Um, And I was like, yeah, I should uh, you know, I should get into this. So I read it and I was sort of like, do I I got this five pages in. I knew exactly what she was talking about 5 pages in. Why did she, why did it need to be 50 more pages? But then I realized, oh no, there's tiny nuances through in every line, through every interaction with a person to a person where she's expounding on that one thought, that one theme. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's not necessarily even like a huge theme. It's like Mm-mm the idea of like pretension and art or just mm-hmm. like our disagreements in art. That's it. That's the thing mm-hmm. go, mm-hmm. you know? And I like that. I think this is, which is why it's easy to call her simple, but you're right. It's not simple at all. Um, because of all these little minutia's, um, do we want to start with, with the context or do we want to start with, the it's got Let's do a little context. real yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Where are you? What was your experience, Bailey?
0: Well, so I, uh, like I said, I didn't know art. I had never read Unexpected Man. Uh, I saw God of Carnage at KCACTF. It Mm. was a brought production, my my, uh, first year in theater school uh, at Hogwarts. And we went to, I think it was Lincoln, Nebraska, University of Nebraska at the Johnny Carson School of Theater and Film. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that's where we saw it. And I don't remember the school that brought it. Um, Probably like... Mankato or or Duluth or something. One of those Minnesota Duluth? schools were Duluth. awesome. Oh yeah, Duluthington. <laughs> Duluth um, is awesome. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, but we we went and saw it, and it like I I truly walked out of that show starting to tell people like this is my new favorite playwright. This is my new favorite play and my new favorite playwright. I was nineteen or whatever. So college
2: you know. kids did it well, huh?
0: Yeah. They huh. they really okay. did. And I mean I mean, also it was an invited production, so they knew it was very good when they brought it. Um the what the kid who played uh Alan, no, mm-hmm. the other one, Michael. Mm-hmm. The kid who played Michael won the Irene Ryans that year.
2: Oh, okay. wow okay was okay so, wow, so you saw a good cast then yeah it was
0: wow. a really good cast uh Even the though guy they were who...
2: 20 years too young
0: <laughs> true and they they pulled off the and we'll get to the um the actual uh moma i don't want to give it away just yet but they pulled off the one stage gag in god of Car- gag mm. <laughs> um uh, they, they they pulled it off awesomely that's like, right we it's a all... blow
2: job you guys
0: that's what yeah. it is no uh but we were all looking around at each like the whole audience of, of theater kids at, at this giant theater festival we were all looking around just being like how the fuck did they do that I... like it was awesome it was projectile it was so cool
2: i can't wait to get because i want to talk about that okay
0: okay um I'm that's all though. That was it. And then I saw the movie carnage, which we'll talk about. So I'm, I knew God of carnage. I know God of carnage. Um, I see a giant poster of art every day at the playhouse, which I'm sure, uh, oh, cool. Scott will talk about, but so Scott, what's your context with the, with Reza?
1: Yeah, I had, um, got, uh, got a copy of art, like right as it was hitting Broadway Yeah, and read it and liked it a lot. Um, and then I saw a production of *The Pasadena Playhouse, like in what, <gasps> 2014? Maybe cool. Earlier than that. With any uh,
2: any notable peeps? Uh,
1: yeah. Um. Uh, uh. Now his name is escaping me. Like I'm an idiot. Um. Bradley. Brad. Bradley Whitford. Um. Was in it from. Uh. West Wing. Cool. And. Um. Uh, the other two names are. Hold on, I'm looking. I'm looking at my notes. Oh, Michael O'Keefe. <laughs> Michael yeah. O'Keefe was, was in it. Who's Oscar nominee? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Roger Bart, who was yeah. uh, in, did a lot of musicals and all that. And they were great. It was a it was a great production. Um, as I think back on it, and at the time, I remember going, oh, like they 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 leaned into the comedy of it. Mm. Uh, they played it for the funny, uh, and I don't know if that's the best approach to it, in my Mm-mm. opinion. Uh, but I enjoyed that very much. Uh, I'd never seen uh, The Unexpected Man. Uh, I'd never read it until we pr- were prepping for this. Uh, and then Gone of Carnage, I had read previously, and I have seen uh, two mediocre productions of, and I won't name names there, um, but both were <laughs> both were messed up because of single one of the four was off. It was, mm. uh, you know, and it's it's such delicate casting, you know, when when lines are being thrown out like that, and it's it's insanely
0: all like, of her plays that I've, n- well, that we've now read these three are are so ensemble. There's if you mm-hmm. have one weak link, whereas like we talked about lips together, teeth apart, you have uh, that one character that could v- Chloe that could very easily steal and sort of take the show away from everybody else mm. if right. they're mm-hmm. uh, if they're too much, and it's written that way too these you can't do that no and in fact with art you uh there was like a rule on broadway no one was allowed to return to the same role that they had already played so like brian cox had played um uh mark at one point and then he came back to the role and they were like okay but now you have to play uh ivan because uh We're not allowing anybody to play the same role twice because it changes the whole show. It changes the whole dynamic because if you bring something different, it's going to change the way the other two are playing it. And that's for art. That's for Unexpected Man and for God of Carnage. And it makes me want to read all of her other shit because I know she has a huge body of work. Mm -hmm. Um, Siege, what was your experience with her before this?
2: I had never read anything. I'd never seen anything. The closest I'd ever gotten to her was, didn't they do God of Carnage somewhere here in LA a couple years ago? And it was a huge production. Cause I remember seeing the posters on yeah, all of the lampposts.
1: Yeah. It was, uh, it was done to CTG did it. I think it was Mark Taper or, but I didn't see that production. Right.
2: But I just have to say, um, and I mean, I know we, Oh no, I know... I'm
1: sorry. That was the original Broadway production uh Broadway cast that came here yeah Uh,
2: okay and it was it was like a handful of years ago I just remember seeing those posters everywhere um and I I loved her so much like I I read all of these plays in like two days and then I listened to all of them and then I watched a couple of them because I loved it so much and I know we talked about a couple weeks ago I was producing you me and Adam Levine um and I feel about her the same way I felt about Yumi and Adam Levine, is this whole idea of writing parts for people that are, quote, of a certain age. And um, I just, I, I mean, like, according to the cast breakdowns in this, the youngest character in here is supposed to, out of all the plays we read, is in their 40s. And... I just was excited about it because I'm like, I've got these roles to look forward to. Mm. And it's cool that people, and that's what I loved about you, me and Adam Levine. There's two women in it. And one is in her late thirties and one is in her early forties. And I just think it's fucking cool. that people are writing roles for people of this age and it's not being somebody's wife or being someone's grandparent. They're interesting and they have funny things to say. And I just loved that.
0: Unfortunately, I think you're, you're, you have that in your mind because of Hollywood. I think Hollywood does not do that well. Right. I would argue theater does and has for a long time. Okay. Maybe not, maybe not. I mean, I could be wrong, but I I think about just like, like pinter specifically like you know a lot of his people are in their later years uh uh he doesn't write women very well though so i guess that doesn't that takes away from it completely um (laughs) but like i i I just think of musical theater roles firsthand is like just the amount of incredible like older roles and some of them get character some Mm -hmm. of them get a little character and not like as like main character i guess and maybe that's what you're Referring to, but I I, I do agree with you, and especially in Hollywood, especially in film and TV, I just feel like it's unless you're watching Golden Girls. uh, (laughs) Right. You're just not seeing the representation of of the age groups and the. Yeah, unless it's comedic, unless it is Golden Girls or it's like ABFAB or something, you know, right.
2: Right. I just I yeah, I just really enjoyed this stuff. And like every single character in every single one of these plays, I would love to play someday.
0: Also, everyone go watch *Mayor of Easttown if you want to see a fucking um, like incredible, f- multiple incredible female roles uh, of a certain age, quote unquote.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, just a perfect show. CJ, can I ask a question? Yes. Am I correct that You, Me, and Adam Levine is a brand new play that has never been produced before or has it?
2: Correct. I okay. I, I produced it and we did an online reading. By the way, it's by Michelle Gardner and Angelica Howland. A brand new play. Hopefully we're going to get a live run one of these days. Gotcha. But, um, so it's yeah. not
0: something somebody could Google and find right now.
2: Nope. But y'all could reach but, out to me and I could tell you all about it. There you go.
0: <laughs> yeah. And because we'll have a production of it up, y'all should make your way to L.A. if you're not in L.A. and come <laughs> check it out. I'll back. yell about it when it happens. We'll yell so. about <laughs> it. We'll yell about it a lot. Um. Okay. Uh. Fucking. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Fuckin hey, Scott. Um. Yeah. Fucking Fucking Um, yeah. Um, yeah. S- hey Scott I have a favor to ask yeah can you um can you do the um you're
1: trying to you're trying to you're trying to think of something clever let's just um we'll just insert the stinger here yeah Scottpedia all right ready Yes. Uh, so, uh, Yasmina Reza was born on the mean streets of Brooklyn, where she paid for playwriting classes by competing in underground breakdancing battles. After hey. serving in the special forces, where she killed twenty-three people with a knife, she started writing plays hey. about stuff. Hey, what? It's not right. What do you mean? No, that's right. How do you know? Cause I she's research. Cause she's Parisian, and she eats fancy foods and cheeses and drinks wine. That was all a lie. It yeah. was all a lie. I was just trying to be provocative and. We haven't played. You were the, provided. Uh, thank you. We it haven't played the, the game we haven't played that game in a while. The, that
2: game I always lose.
1: Jesus, I love that, that game.
2: Jesus, uh, <laughs> of course you do. You always win, you jerk.
0: Not um, always. Well, I got kind of screwed on the last couple we played. will you
1: well, I'll I'll do it again sometime in the near future. <laughs> um uh Yasmina was born May first, nineteen fifty nine in Paris, France. Uh, Reza was the daughter of Jewish parents who had immigrated to France. Her Iranian father was an engineer, businessman, and pianist, and her mother was a violinist and originally from Budapest. Uh, Reza studied at the University of Paris and at the drama school of Jacques Lecoq before working as an actress. You guys ever... Jacques Lecoq? You've never done any Lecoq? (laughs) I I do lots of Lecoq. it's, 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 It's a joke, but you've never done like Lecoq training? You've never done like a workshop? (laughs) I've done a lot of Lecoq training.
0: You put a towel on your cock and then you have to lift it up to strengthen it. It's basically male people called Lecoq training.
2: (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm a middle schooler.
1: Like really you are, but you've never even heard of Jacques Lecoq?
0: No. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I know it's funny, but like No,
0: I know I'm all about I know what it literally, is. literally did never you change, heard somebody said Jacques Lecoq.
1: That. Jacques Lecoq. That's <laughs> his name. His name is Lecoq. You do the Lecoque stuff. And you you changed, wanna do
2: some Lecoque stuff? You changed
1: okay. you, you changed how actors move and, and maybe it's on surprise way. You don't know about it. Um, ah, boom! <laughs> See, is it a movement thing? Like, I'm surprised I don't know about
2: it. Yeah,
1: Licoch's it's like movie. one of the premier movement techniques in acting. Is the I Licoch mean, did
2: Laban?
1: He was uh, an athlete, and he became an actor, and he noticed after a series of performances that he was continually losing his voice, so he built a mirrored room and began to sort of deconstruct how he moved how he held himself and, and all this sort of in depth analysis of his physiology and then I translated know. that into part of a acting training.
2: I see. I think when yeah. it came to voice and speech for us, we were one hundred percent link later. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt with being No, no, it, the, no. I need more I want to hear more about Jacques Lecoq.
1: <laughs> that was that was all we knew about Jacques That's all I got it. That's all I got about Jacques Got it. <laughs> But then she worked She was OJ an Simpson
2: and uh, developed an acting technique. Uh,
1: she was
2: an athlete that turned into an actor. I don't wow. understand.
1: I don't understand that. <laughs> wow,
0: there are better athletes you could have chosen. The Rock, the Rock.
2: <laughs> is one. Rock.
0: Jacques LeRock. Jacques LeRock Dwayne
1: LeCocq Johnson?
2: Dwayne LaRock. I'm sorry.
3: Okay.
0: So when
1: people You're off the rails. Hate, when, when people hate Americans for being ignorant about. About Jacques world.
0: Lecoq. It's, or just about the rest of the, the
1: world. world in I'm going
2: to look that shit up. Okay, cool,
1: cool.
0: I'm not um, going to look it up. All right, learned something yeah. today. tell us more. Tell us more.
1: Um, so, in addition to several plays, she's written five novels and a nonfiction book um, about um, previous French Prime Minister, uh, Lucille Sarkozy. She basically uh, followed him, lived with him, not lived with him, but trailed him for, like, a year and wrote a book about him. Um, So she's very, very brilliant. She has uh, two children. She's married to film director uh, Didier Martini, who's a big French filmmaker. Her daughter is a criminal lawyer, and her son is a singer. And that's really all I have. Like, we'll go into more detailed stuff, but in terms of, like, Her life like she she was an actress for a little while she did stuff and then she started writing plays and she was really informed by uh her acting and that's sort of where she got the initial urge to write plays and dramas we should also mention as we do this conversation that there is another person that sort of hangs over everything and i think it's going to it's I wish I read French. I really, really did, but Christopher Hampton right. did all has done all of her translations into English. But apparently, David Ives has done the Americanizations of oh. the Christopher Hamptons because when you read the Christopher Hampton stuff, it is distinctly British, like yes, it's right. like in its vernacular and. Uh, I didn't slang. read
0: anything about Ives doing that. Yeah, he I, I, popped up, but
1: I couldn't find anything that where he was given a credit other than this article where David Ives is talking and he's uh, and talking about her and her work and that he had contributed to it. It's entirely possible. I mean, you can really, uh, especially in the LA Theater Works version of God of Carnage, you can hear that a lot of several of the Englishisms the British isms push chair are, 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 are yeah, exactly. Or stroller are, 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 are messed with a little bit and mm-hmm. updated. Like I remember distinctly, well, like in art, for example, like in the original version, it refers to it as Frank's Frank's. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then in the passing in the playhouse version, it was, I remember very clearly it was euros. Yeah. It's um, euros
2: in the theater works reading. Right.
1: Too. So like, those little changes and adaptations but Christopher Hampton is an accomplished playwright, two-time Oscar winner himself and a very sort of strong personality hmm. um and so I now apparently she put him through the ringer when he did her the first translation I think was art um, yeah. and she he'd sent uh, sent her. A copy of it and she's like well this is a pretty good first draft and he was like what do you mean a first draft he's like that's it <laughs> i did it she's like oh no, no 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 and he was like pissed he's like because her english isn't even that great but um they eventually well, moved on
0: and then she gave him a hard time too when they they went to see art and people were laughing before the two men even started talking Hmm. Uh, right because just the sight of those two it was like albert finney or whoever it was just like on stage people just started laughing and within like a few lines people were like kind of chuckling and and enjoying it and maybe they were pushing the comedy a little bit more like they did at the playhouse and for an american audience or whatever and she turned to him and she said what the hell did you do to my play
4: (laughs) oh because
0: in her mind it's where when she was watching it with French audiences, it was all very,
4: <laughs>
0: yes, Mother we get smoking it. cigarettes. Yeah. Like there was just like <laughs> that little bit of like chortle because we get it. Yes. Whereas American audiences were like guffawing, laughing because we don't really talk about it like this. Right. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. what I was reading, I was listening to uh this interview with Hampton um Who And I didn't hear anything about the David Ives thing. Uh, David Ives, for listeners who don't know, uh, wrote, like, All in the Timing and um, things like that. He's fantastic. But uh, uh, Hampton brought it to, when he made it, he translated it, obviously, into English, but then he brought it to America and did a reading with the cast, with Albert Finney and Stott and the, the original cast, and actually had them help him. And maybe Ives was part of this process or helped with other plays later, um, but they actually talked through it and got tried to get rid of as many Britishisms as possible and insert some American stuff. But really, what it became about was is French pretension of art is different from British pretension of art, which is different from American pretension of art. For sure. Right. They're all very different things, actually. And so it kind of had to be three different scripts in a yeah. way. Mm-hmm. And never, she mind, didn't never mind get the sheer... American one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, never mind the sheer wordplay, like that. I think that's what he right. had to have nailed really well because he, uh, it, it's so, there's so sharp. The, the The dialogue is so witty. And you've got to use you've got to use slang and, you know, different kinds of mannerisms in order to pull that off. And so to translate from the French, which is already, you know, it's already a cultural difference, never mind language difference as well.
0: And it seems like she is pretty preoccupied by the way that the audience watches and like perceives her plays, because she has a lot of quotes where Mm -hmm. she's like very worried about the translations and about, are they still getting my work is Mm -hmm. Hampton changing it into something that's his own. And he's very, very clear to say that he feels like he doesn't, but, and that it's hard to avoid that, but that he doesn't, but she has this quote, laughter is very dangerous. The way you laugh can change the way you see a play. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: what that means to me is like, Right. Like, are we laughing because, like, she wanted the sort of like, (laughs) yep, yep, we get it. That Mm -hmm. kind of laugh. Or are people going, ha, ha, that's hilarious. And she's like, that's not my play. That's not the play I wrote. Right. You know, Um, but she seems very preoccupied by that.
2: She considers them all playbees. She's a hard. It right. sounds like maybe she has a little bit harder time, like just yes. letting it out into the world, which is her she, right. It's her thing. Yeah. Agreed. She's,
1: yeah, she and she's you know she's been known for being you know prickly, and then she you know addressed that. And like I read one uh, interview with her for the Guardian. So it was a British journalist who spoke French. So he interviewed her entirely in French, mm. and he was like, "I don't know where." all of this reputation ever came from like she's the most charming funny person ever mm. and so she's she's admitted that her she doesn't feel confident in her English mm. uh, fully confident and so she she may appear to be uh, a little off footing when when answering questions in English- mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing that we'll we'll get more into
0: right and I, I think also like theater kind of is the hard. I mean I I I dare to say theater is the hardest performing art to accomplish as a collaborative team because you're sort of at the mercy of a lot of different things that are at play whereas in film you can edit you can reshoot you can post fix it in post you Mm -hmm. can ask an actor to do it differently and then use that take like whatever in in theater you're at the mercy of how the director read it and how the actor read it and then how the actor ends up saying it every night
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right yeah.
0: and if you're a playwright that really cares about your nuances you I'm you're kind of screwed because mm-hmm. that's never going to happen. It's actually an amazing exercise. Like serial killers is kind of an amazing exercise. The, the uh, sketch comedy show that, or that, well, it's not even a sketch comedy. Show. It's a, it's an incubator. Episodic. Yeah. The episodic sketch show that we do at, at Sacred Fools um, is a phenomenal place because you, you, one you get to as a playwright most of the time you can hand over your thing to another director and then go see how they took it with no stakes right mm-hmm. it like doesn't really matter it's you lose great okay i write another one or i move on um but number two is you get to kind of incubate laughter and like here it's like doing uh, stand-up sets at small bars until you go do, before you go do your netflix special you gotta hone it and you gotta make sure it works and mm-hmm. test the laughter and stuff and yeah. um and unfortunately theater is just that art form it's incredibly non-permanence because Uh
2: also like especially with serial killers it goes up once and Mm -hmm. it it disappears into the ether unless you know something happens and you get you know you get a full-length show and then someone picks it up or you do fringe or you know whatever whatever it's right yeah you have to let it go yeah, right. and you kind of don't have a choice. <laughs>
1: it's yeah. it's it's the collaboration and you're right, you're at the mercy of someone. it's it's the anal, it's the uh comparison that film is the director's medium and the theater is the acting medium. Right. You know, you can listen to a director for 4 weeks and then on opening night go fuck you and there's nothing they can do about it and it exists and it lives in the ether and then it you know the element of live theater you know, makes it live or or die depending on the audience, right. and then But film. which is
0: also why a weak link can kill a show like this, so even as an easily. actor. So but easily. also we talk a lot about like, as a crew, we talk a lot about like, you know, theater one Oh one and theater basics in, in the, in the theater community. And like if one person in your show isn't up to the level of everybody else in terms of just understanding the basic, how we run a rehearsal, or how mm-hmm. we you know, run a, a tech week, right? Then it, it, it creates a huge rift in the process and it actually brings a bad energy to the show and can affect it artistically and can affect the final product. And yeah. then there's that
2: moment in the middle of tech week where that one actor that's been a complete thorn in everyone's side the whole time gets screamed at by the director and you just watch the rest of the cast slowly like melt away from the situation. I think it's happened in almost every show I've been in.
0: Yeah, and it feels a little bit like a parent hit a parent at the dinner table and everyone just kind of is like...
2: Hey. Yeah. You're the antelopes creeping away, watching the lion
0: <laughs> eat
1: your friend.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, Scott, is there anything else, uh, Pedia? No,
1: no, uh, no, we'll get more into details and, and quotes on more yeah. specific stuff as we as we go along. Uh, but she's a fascinating, brilliant person, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, l- let's talk about them plays.
0: What kind of wine do you think she drinks?
1: French. <laughs> 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 From uh, vineyards? son of bitch. Hey, Bordeaux. Uh, son of bitch. <laughs> uh, son of bitch. Uh, um, I, I don't know. I mean, she's Parisian, so... I mean, Pinas
2: One, it, one. She was like, "I like coarse light."
1: <laughs> She's like, "Yeah, I, I, I'm a, I'm a wine
0: spritzer kind of guy.
2: <laughs> I like a Bartles and James. <laughs> I will, I will say,
1: I noted that in this uh, article, this interview uh, from the Guardian, that uh, the reporter distinctly said it was cocktails. They were having cocktails, and she was very concerned about him picking up the tab if he wasn't going to be reimbursed for it. Uh, uh, which I thought uh, was classy, but I was like, oh, cocktails, like, maybe she's a good, just good old whiskey drinker. Sex on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like yeah. Umbre- I like a lot of umbrellas. I like a lot of umbrellas in my drinks. <laughs> uh, Small, uh, and... It's a really offensive... Uh, that was know, terrible. Ra- Miss <laughs> uh
0: what can I get you? Um, I will have a, um, um Four Loco XXL. <laughs> <laughs> I would love
4: oh, no.
2: it if she put down four locos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're terrible. Um, so, uh, first play that we are going to talk about, uh, what
1: year was
0: it? 2000,
1: 2000? Oh, gosh. Uh, no. the, the original came out 94. in 94, London in 96, and Broadway in 98.
0: I'm thinking of a different play which was clearly about later. <laughs> yeah. This was in
1: now, a, now, Let me get this right. This play was written in 1912, right? Like, <laughs> are you drunk? Bailey like, Bailey's just drunk right now? He's just he's <laughs> talking about things he's on his bookshelf. Yeah, this was
0: pre Civil War era, right? <laughs> I saw I that four locos Bailey's been drinking. I've been pounding them all night. Yeah, no, so this was found um on a battlefield right and it was like Torn up, burnt edges. So they found in it on coffee. the beaches
2: of Normandy, actually. Oh, ah,
0: got it, got it. <laughs> my God, I found it. So,
2: 1994.
0: The play is Art and uh, Siege.
4: <laughs> CJ's breakdown.
2: A bromance between three longtime friends goes horribly wrong when Serge buys an expensive-as-shit painting that Mark doesn't get. Ivan tries to intervene, and all three dudes devolve into bitchy insults and wimpy punches.
0: That's it. That's the, yep. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the first part of the <laughs> um, No, that really is, that's it. Because it's like, it, that's the whole play. And that's what I was saying at the beginning, where it's like, Th- that's that's all there's not really a plot it's about
2: the re- it's a genji cohen play it's about the relationship it is
0: it's purely <laughs> you're right genji cohen's a good a good analog because it's like it's purely about these people there's not really a beginning middle end even like they no, it's, there's it's, a climax in right. a way
1: for sure there is um, yeah, it's. I mean, all of her work seems to be about these intersections and these moments between people, um, and this one is is about three friends. So she's just dropping in the middle of it. Oh, you know, uh, you know, Serge got a new painting. Go, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, go from and
0: there. the exposition is the whole play. We're 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 still finding things out about these guys in the final scene lit oh yeah mm-hmm. absolutely you Especially know like their
1: families and yeah and all that yeah how they feel about
2: each other's girlfriends which is fucking hilarious Oh, you know, it's yeah. hilarious well, and, you know,
1: well
0: this one fit well yeah mm-hmm. and this one fit in with lips together teeth apart for me where i was very much like it's just watching people in a in in moments in time right Right, yeah. and then also um, formulaically, it's similar because of the monologues and the stepping out and speaking to the audience.
2: It kind of reminded me of like a European upper classy version of True West, also, especially mm-hmm. with how everyone kind of devolves at the end, where like you know where they have they they physically fight with each other towards the end, and it's like where you know they were
0: all friends at the beginning of this, or even Fool for Love. Right. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. Right? Like yes. it's got a
0: shepherd kind of like three people in a room. Uh here we go. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: See how shit goes wrong. Exactly. Um, so we should say, yeah, the the first moment is uh Mark and, and Serge and Serge has bought this uh two hundred thousand dollar canvas art, which to the naked eye is a blank or white canvas. Right. And the but argument if
1: you Squint just a little bit. You can see some diagonal lines. You and... can see some stripes
0: maybe, which I wonder you've seen it, Scott, when you saw it, was it just pure white or could you kind of tell that there was something? No, they,
1: yeah, you could tell that they had kind of, uh, they, they had done something to it. And also the, the, one of the real tricks about that, that I noticed, very quickly uh at the pasadena playhouse was how how much the lighting can affect that you have any color in any of your lighting uh that's not right on then it changes it and i think that they intentionally put it under different light mm. at different times and throughout the show to kind of Gets you kind of going, uh? uh. yeah, oh,
2: I love yeah. it. Which yeah, is a moment cool. in the play where he's like, well, you can't see it right now because there's no natural lighting going on. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> and, and it's and it's big, like they keep describing it's four by five. It's four, four feet by five feet. So it's this thing. It's this yeah. monolith that's, you know, plant, you know, planted there. Uh, I, I was looking I was thinking about the Pasadena production, but also just looking at photos from um from other productions from around the world and like how like they can get they could get really modern with it we Mm -hmm. should say that it's all she describes it as as all being on one set that represents uh well two living spaces mark's place and serge's place we don't go
0: to ivan's place ever
1: i don't think so I might okay. be wrong. I can't remember. I think
2: I think Serge is the one that hops. No, Mark is the one Mark's that hops one in that between. Hops in, yeah. It's it's Serge's place and Ivan's place. I think Mark goes over there right. to talk yeah. shit with him. Yeah, you're right, talk yeah. shit on uh Serge.
0: But it is you're right. It's meant to be sort of this um, cover all kind of uh this is just all the places
1: right right and it's it it, it's a theatricality that you can't apply to film it only exists in theater that you can use space like that um and it it it, you know the pasadena playhouse is a pretty big space you know in terms of a stage but it could work very you know you could get very small and very intimate with it and and expand and contract it as you needed to um based on your on whatever kind of production value you had uh i found that that was most interesting about all of her plays to me is that i'm like wow like you can do so much with it or so little with it uh and and even even in terms of the acting and, and the thing she she talks about in in several interviews this idea that she has no fucking interest in giving you Uh, a psychoanalysis or background of the character. She has no interest in exploring it. Her stuff is very instinctive and very reactionary. And so, but she's like, but that gives the actor and the director all this room. If they want to go build that, uh, that background and all that, then you can, you can add depth to it it's the one thing uh, about the the pasadena production we talked about earlier that i thought that they really played it for the laughs which was great it was a fantastic evening i wasn't disappointed but that you could very easily spend time and go okay let's let's really break down these layers let's not play this for the funny but let's mm-hmm. play it for Um, the raw nerves, which is what all these guys are dealing with. Nothing nothing that's going on is ultimately about the painting or the disagreement about the painting. It's all about the raw nerves and this long-term friendship and where this friendship is going and the the impact on it's what was funny is when we we were talking pre-show about the droids from star wars (laughs) and and cj's uh favorite droids are incorrect uh mine are correct and uh, but no but like and just i got a little like god damn it cj like like just like just a little pissy about it about such a stupid thing like it, it it doesn't matter but that you know in in a play like this, especially when you're talking about that kind of money, like then it becomes all about you know success and the fact that Serge is able to afford this thing and right. mark can't quite afford it and and uh, Yvonne definitely can't afford it
0: well in three people relationships in general have a very interesting ebb and flow of of power dynamics and and not even power dynamics but just dynamics in general, and they have this kind of um two against one sometimes when you're having a, a, a agreement or disagreement. Cause I agree with CJ on her, on her droid picks. I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that completely. But then I think, Oh, uh, see now i getting
1: angry people, again. <laughs>
0: right. But, but I think most people would agree with you, Scott. So I think it's sort of like, I don't know that we're correct if the, if that's No, the, there's
1: no correct. There is right. no correct. That's I joke about it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly I, what the play is saying. Yeah.
2: The play also had two little subplots for me too And the and I think it's it spoke to me specifically because I feel like I've been yelling this for a couple years now of this whole thing of like it's okay if somebody likes something that you don't like or it's okay if you disagree on what's best or how the ranking should be or something. And I right. personally am a person that's like, just, just it's fine. People can like what they like, it's fine. And then the other thing that it got, the, the quote that I wrote down was, um, Mark says it, you should never leave your friends unchaperoned. Your friends need to be chaperoned, otherwise they'll get away. And this struck me as a very quarantine play because, hmm. um, only because you know we've all been trying to navigate our relationships and our friendships and it's like it's the whole thing of like god I can't do another fucking zoom happy hour I can't yeah. I'm uh-huh. sick of them and yeah. then you find out that a group of your friends did one without you and it's like I want... oh
1: yeah where's I, yeah. It's
2: it's that whole scene of Mark talking shit to Ivan about it and Ivan's like I'm gonna go talk to him about it and then they actually Ivan and Serge have this whole scene where Ivan they kind of bond on it. And then Mark's like, well, what do you mean you liked it? You know, what do you mean you liked the artwork? And I just see that as such a common friend dynamic of yeah. like, what? you guys are hanging out without me? What, I missed that inside joke. What's going on?
1: Right. Yeah. No, abs- I, I mean, That's it. I mean, I, I, I agree a thousand percent. <laughs> I mean, and- just just between the three of us, like, you know, not to air dirty laundry, but we, you know, in the air middle it. of all this, we were we were all kind of like, freaked out. We, we, you know, we had a little meltdown and freak out that had nothing to do with any of us or or, or the way we felt about anything. It, It was just where we had all intersected at that point in time and the craziness and the isolation and everything else. And that's, but also
0: it got us closer because we were able to say some things that probably never would have been said without like a pandemic driving us all crazy into needing to say things
1: right (laughs) now the podcast is better you're welcome everyone it fucking is is. (laughs) it really is (laughs) but yeah Um, i mean it's that that was kind of the fascinating thing that stayed with me is 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 the um evolution of of friendships and how they work and as a society especially in america um, and we've joked about it many times. The idea of you know therapy and your own sort of self-development and interest. We you know think about uh, relationships and uh, relationship therapy and dealing with uh, relationships, romantic relationships. But friendships, you know, are the things that keep you going, and they're right. challenges much too because we all are at different places in our lives. We're all going through different shit, um, and. You know, all those things impacted and you grow and then sometimes you get a check in with somebody and you're like, oh, man, we we've changed from here. This we, we've we grown uh, differently or in different directions, not in a right. bad way or anything. But that was, you know, that that thing that it's not about the art at all it's about everything else around it and about these three individuals and all all right it, which I and, and what remarkable. what's
0: interesting about like three person relationships also in all relationships though is that there you there has to be some give and take right and there has to be some uh some cooperative thinking now and then and and mm-hmm. the worst part is when there's one of you who is potentially a brick wall person about something and i've mm-hmm. talked about this on the podcast before i believe there are It's the there are only three types of people. I'm not generalizing (laughs) that much. I think there. uh, this is a spectrum, but there are people who are brick wall people who just keep running into the same thing over and over again and never wanting to change. Uh, A lot of like extreme uh, religious or political people are are that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that then there's climbers, people who are able to hit that wall and go, oh, I just hit a wall. I'm going to climb over that and see the other side. I'm going to go to therapy. Right. And like, <laughs> yeah. Or like, I'm going to check myself and like, learn some shit and like educate and go to therapy and do all the things. And like, th- that's a climber. And then there are people who are just juggernauts who are able to just kind of just like blow through the walls. And that can be a bad thing. You can go too far, you know, And mm-hmm. it, but it, there's a spectrum to all of it. But I think this play is kind of about one, like all three of those things are kind of represented. Um, Mark being the the brick wall person in a for way for sure because he kind of i mean now uh surge might be a little shit eating about it but fucking mark is like completely this whole his whole idea about everything is i don't get it so i don't like it it's bad mm-hmm. right and then there's this line surge gives really early on that says objectively i think it's in a monologue objectively mm. Objectively speaking, it's not white. It has a white background. Mark thinks it's white because that's his limit. He has decided he knows better and won't change his perception. Hmm. And it's sort of. Dare I say, like what we're what we talk about a lot when we talk about mm, the far right, but also like men. Dare I say about myself and and. hashtag not all men but like also all men um hashtag yes all men (laughs) yes all men hashtag all of the men every single one (laughs) i actually i saw this great thing about that today that was like man cool case by case basis man that's true one man that's a case by case basis could be the greatest man ever great men always bad period it's bad (laughs) and i was like that's great i can live with that i can live with the idea that like the lump is the the (laughs) <laughs> the 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 massive uh, umbrella, bad news. Potentially the person holding the umbrella at that moment, fine.
2: Like white right. people. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. And all hey, people. Sam Let's get
0: up. All people case by case basis, but people, yeah. trash. Ducks. All
1: people are trash. I'll yeah. Fuck be, yeah. off people. all people. But person, because
0: person... Uh, yeah potential there's potential there
1: you know yeah i I, I absolutely agree I, and I think what she does not just in art but I think in art she just nails it perfectly is that these aren't likable people. they're kind of like these r- reflections about the worst bullshit uh, of us all like you know what I mean like it's the worst elements of 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 modern society and upper middle class thing which I think is a distinction and and I I wanted to challenge CJ you'd brought this up a little earlier Mm -hmm. because I don't think she's going after wealthy people I think she's aiming literally at upper middle class people and that line that distinction of that line because and the their pretentiousness there that that I think she sees that as more dangerous than the, the purely wealthy it's the ones that are almost there that think they know it all. And I th- I think she really gets it in God of Carnage where she really goes after yeah. that element I, of it. Well,
2: I think I th- maybe it's just where I'm at in my life personally and financially and what I'm looking at like where I could be in a couple years financially and it feels... It feels like a brick wall. Is it was the whole conversation in the beginning of like, can he afford 200,000 euro? And it's like, well, he's not that rich, but he and I'm like, 200,000, like, might as well be a billion dollars to me,
0: right? No, I get yeah. you there. I get you there. You know what'll help you with that, CJ? But read Seneca.
1: Seneca, Seneca. <laughs> fuck you.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, I just wanted to call out the fact that I thought our fucking scene before this episode was bitching. So
1: yeah, I was on it for sure. Good job, y'all. Yeah, I was on it for. Scott sure. was on. Uh,
2: <laughs> I was shit. I admit it.
0: Yeah, Scott has notes for us, but uh, <laughs> um, y'all, have you ever heard of Mark Rothko? The I've artist? heard of the
2: name, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the, go on, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's exactly what you did with your fingers. It's Bars of color. Yeah, bars of color, blocks of color. Um, He's this American painter that he's sort of the ultimate, like when people look at his stuff, they go like, I could do that though, which they couldn't because the shit he's doing is kind of actually amazing with the materials he's using and whatnot. And it's all this like study in in color and study in art, whatever. Um, But he has this exhibit it's actually called a temple in Houston, Texas.
1: Oh, I've heard about this. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Or a chapel or a temple yeah, or something like that. Call. Yeah. 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 And you go in and it's meant to be a worship place and reading space for all religions. Hmm. Anyone of any religion, they have books on atheism. They have everything <laughs> like agnosticism. You can go in and, um, uh, and read these books. And it's like this Zen thing and you're not supposed to talk. And it's supposed mm. to be like really, I mean, you can like whisper and stuff, but you're meant to kind of just like really respect it and not really talk. Cause people are praying, people are reading. Um, and it's like, people are there like, cool. They're doing that. Uh, but it's, I think like 10, maybe more art pieces that surround the walls. And this is what everybody actually comes to see. Most of the time it's a tourist uh, spot and they're all just black. Hmm. Yeah, they are just black. And there's like a hole in the ceiling that kind of travels around like the Pantheon or something, Mm -hmm. uh, that's meant to sort of show you different shades in the black and different colors and textures that are there. I got to tell you, I walked up, put my face six inches in front of every single one of those and went, this is all exactly the same black. Now, I have also been told by a lot of artists our eyes cannot perceive the difference in a lot of black tones Mm
4: -hmm, and that mm -hmm.
0: I was I have no idea what I'm talking about and that it was probably like the most amazing array of black color ever and that I just missed it and I was just like okay (laughs) sure but it's the same thing as this and i wonder if she's even referencing him in a way i don't know when that exhibit was made
3: i
2: also feel like this is kind of like especially to people like me like i i enjoy going to art museums i like walking around but i feel like i i've been in many art many i've been in a couple art museums where you get to the modern or contemporary art and you see shit that it's like well why do not i think of that um when I was at the Tate Modern in London, I saw the Andy Warhol exhibit and I was so fucking mad when I left. Um, But I I think that that's a feeling that some people, lay people like me that don't know a whole lot about art feel that way about contemporary art of like, well, what the fuck is this? It's all just a bunch of black canvases. I don't see any difference.
1: It's the same thing like with non-theater people seeing Gado you know sure. you watching lucky's monologue or w- watching what's going on and just going what in the fuck is this
4: <laughs> we yeah.
1: you know i mean i mean i think in terms of art and, and literature is is and like music like you know she she references a lot of like classical like debussy and you know classical musicians and things like that like you know that's about you trying to educate yourself as best you can But then also, it it shouldn't be like you should be able to react to what you're seeing and experiencing. You know, if you put things in different context, you know, we talk about context so much. You know, looking at Andy Warhol now as opposed to looking at what Andy Warhol was doing in 1959 are two totally the 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 cans of soup become two totally different think well
0: and like modern i would argue modern art in general that's sort of it's what you're saying scott but that's sort of the point is for people to be like well i could do that
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and it's like because that's almost the the theme of the art is that yeah but you didn't but you didn't right right right. (laughs) yeah and also you you didn't do this i did so it just gets back to that
2: thing with me too where it's like you get to like what you want to like and that's okay you know
1: that's wrong
0: that's true you're you're, you're you're
1: completely incorrect um well i mean and, and I mean that's the thing is that you know it's all about experience and and reaction and your your own insight into things that the that, that feed you ab- i mean you're you're absolutely right siege like what you want to like and and absorb what you want to absorb what affects you and what changes you you know um that's really the key uh, you know I, sometimes I'll turn my nose up at like what I view to be cloying musical theater there's a lot of musical theater I just like the music doesn't strike me doesn't anything but I see other people so insanely affected by it that I have to turn around and just go and just shut up like and then you know I just become old you man. don't know
0: what the fuck you're talking about
1: okay what you're talking about yeah you know? the
0: Fantastics is the greatest thing ever it changed my life
1: But maybe it did for somebody, you know? No, I'm sure it did. Absolutely, you know? I was being that person and I was not trying to make fun. No, I know you were. I I mean, (laughs) I've
2: done some fucking garbage theater that like I would never invite my friends to. And then i go out after Bows or something. There'd be somebody there that would be like, I needed to see that today. Or that was the best thing I've ever seen. So it's like, even when I don't feel good about what I'm doing, those are the moments where I have to remind myself like, oh yeah, it's not about me. Right. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it is, and it's fun to do shows that my dick gets hard for. Sure. But, you know, it, it's ultimately about connecting with, with people and somebody right. out there seeing something that means something to them or, you know, makes right. their day per- better or whatever that is.
0: Performance and art in general, I think you're exactly right, Siege, like, has to surge. Siege, surge. Surge. Serge J. Um, it, it has Sergei, to. Sergei, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forgot what I was saying. I don't I'm sorry. But I'm sorry. I, I was just me. agreeing. With, no, I interrupted myself by going, Serge. No, um, I don't remember what I was saying, but I was agreeing with you. That's my whole point. Um, I'm right. I also look. Yeah, I also <laughs> looked up uh, Rothko, and there the chapel is celebrating fifty years. So Holy it, shit! Nineteen seventy one is when it was built. So I think she definitely has Rothko on the brain. Sure. Uh, when when doing because I mean he's a, you know international well, name. And, and
1: never mind being a Parisian and the things right. that she's been uh, exposed right. to. And
2: you got the fucking Louvre there.
1: Yeah, they get into it uh, in in the Ooh. show about Mark's Mark's landscape painting that he's got. Uh, that they start hotel talking about painting, that. yeah, you know, that they Which start dismissing. Was plays.
0: painted by his dad,
1: yeah, right. And then, uh, <laughs> then it sticks. It sticks hard, you know. Yeah. But yeah, and uh, but yeah, I, I it, it's it. Look, we've we've gone on for quite a while, just sort of like floating in our conversation uh, about talking about a play that's talking about art. that's really not about that. It's it's about beyond that it's about human connection or disconnection or uh, evolving away uh, or evolving back into each other. Like that's the weird thing. Did you guys, I was weirdly hopeful at the end of it. Like, sure. they, yeah. they're, they're like, oh, I was like, they're going to go drink in a week or two and yeah. this is all going to go by them and they're going to forget all of this. They'll all be at the wedding. They're the wedding's
2: all- going to be over <laughs> the
1: next day. Yeah, and-, and they're all going to have they're all going to have that stuff. So and then they're
2: going to sing meatloaf at the
0: reception. <laughs> That's right. The The felt tip pin stuff is actually cute. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it starts by making you gasp a bit by being like, oh, is he going to he's not going to do that. He's not gonna do that, no. But then, by the time they're, he's like, and then I asked him if if he knew that it was washable. We washed it off together, and we we like kind of, you know, I said I didn't know, but I did know, and like, he's like, <laughs> he
1: like, oh, yeah.
0: Um, we're kind of giving away the ending, but there is this great scene where um, uh, they've it's all broken down they've just been pummeling each other. Ivan is crying. (laughs) Like they've told him like, we don't like your, 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 uh, your fiance. She's Medusa. Don't marry her. And, (laughs) and he's, he's just like bawling. And then they have this moment finally where he's like, okay, give me your, one of your felt tip pens. (laughs) And he gives it to him. And then he goes and he draws a line down the middle of it and draw and Makes a little skier on the line as if it's like a snow mountain or something.
2: I wonder how many people, when they've seen that and didn't know what was happening at the end of the play, like as soon as he started doing that from the audience, were like, <gasps> yeah, oh, yeah, I bet I'm they sure. were oh, on yeah. the LA
0: Theater Works recording. The audience all goes, <gasps> <laughs> yeah, <they're just> like, <laughs> like, It's okay.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, and, and but that adds to the this my theory thesis about her that her stuff is like a this grenade play that you experience it you're and it's you have a visceral reaction to it but that you keep thinking about it and talking about it after it's done Um and I think that's that's a gift and I think that I, I saw I've just read read too many critics who dismiss her what, what did one of them say is like oh if you want like a little appetit great if but if you want a whole meal this play isn't for you and I'm like wow okay, that's hey see. that's that's hmm. really um you know limiting and and degrading to to some degree but like right uh I don't know if you know, i i don't i don't quite get some of the backlash against her uh because I just thought this is a great fucking play and it's run and it's kept running and it's not like it's like some. Uh, condescending or patronizing um, pop, you know, attempt at like pop success. It's right. a play and, and it's three dudes on a, on stage and it, it it's run forever. And it's being done 500 times a year everywhere. Yeah. There's also a timeless quality to it. She does a neat job sure. of not. Uh, and this is, as you guys know, and anybody who's listened to this podcast this is one of my fangs is like, can you create something that, goes beyond its time and place so we're what 26 years old 27 years old for this show and yeah and we're still talking about it it's still being done and and it's I think it's I think it's cool
0: I love this play uh I I we I brought up Seneca kind of jokingly earlier <laughs> but it becomes this sort of punch punchline of like read Seneca but there's some like legitimate truth to that i'm a really big fan of like the stoics and Hmm. seneca in general but this whole play is kind of a study in the school of stoicism like it's it's got that kind of like surge is a stoic like 100 like that's just he he is fully that powered by evolution and knowledge and not by emotion or basic societal construct right he's like he's he's above that in some ways which can make you hyper pretentious <laughs> absolutely <laughs> right? um but it's the ability to step outside of yourself and your ego in some ways and see things from a different perspective which can be very uh annoying and pretentious and uh, er- uh seemingly arrogant uh and just in poor taste like to a lot of people who Maybe are men of their time, as he says uh, to Mark. Right, people who are just, well, well, no, this is how it is. This is what I was taught. This is how it goes. Brick wall people.
1: Well put. Well put.
0: Um, Can we walk through very quickly? I don't think we're going to get too much into Unexpected Man this time. I think we can save that for next time because there's not a lot to say about that one either. It's a two-header, so I think we it won't be like a super long discussion. Mm -hmm. But. this opened on the West End in 1996. Mm-hmm. Ran for 8 years, uh produced by Sean Connery. Mhm. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> star- started out by starring Albert Finney, Tom Courtney and uh Ken Stott.
1: Yeah. Great cast. Oh my god. Great
0: cast. And then uh uh Broadway 98. They did the American translation, not English, but American translation. And they actually like sat down with the th- the three actors who were Alan Alda mm-hmm. mm. as Mark, Victor Garber as Surge.
1: Perfect casting.
0: And Alfred Molina as Ivan.
1: Yes. Friend yeah. of the
0: pod. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, the day I get back from Kansas next week, the day that part two comes out, I will be... Uh, um, running and making sure that everything goes well, running and operating and managing a uh, party for Alfred Molina. Nice. Nice. He's a great guy, Uh, but he was nominated for the Tony award for best actor and his performance did not win. Uh, But art did win the Tony for best play and went on to do 600 performances. Holy balls. Yeah. To be filled by a lot of amazing actors. Brian Cox did a run. um, uh, Bob Balaban, Uh, and then L.A. Theatre Works was Brian Cox, Jeff Perry, and Bob Balaban. It's good. I recommend it to people. Not all of the. We shouldn't talk too much because they're they're a phenomenal company, but not all of their productions are great. Their lips together, teeth apart, was nice, and this was quite good. I recommend the art one. We have some things to say about the other ones.
2: Mm-hmm. You guys are harder on those than I am.
0: I those guess. are the only two I've listened to.
2: Right. So I can't I talk about I usually am it too just much. so appreciative to have something out there, especially if it's a playwright I don't know much about, to hear it as opposed to just reading it. It's sure. nice.
0: Agreed. And it's nice to have the script in front of you while you do it too. Sure. Sure. Uh. Okay. Is there anything else we want to say about art, and not art in general? That'll. That's another podcast. But the the play.
1: I loved it. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: I mean, is it was... kind of the perfect play? That's a weird thing to say, but is this like—I I don't mean like this is perfect; it'll never get better. But I just mean like it's—it's it's kind of just this perfect little package, tied up in a bow. It does all the things it's trying to do.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd yeah, agree with that. She, yeah, and what she's she's trying to do on a technically technical level, of yeah, artistry. Uh, and as a theater artist and as a playwright, that that she's sort of geared by instinct, that it, that she's not trying to, you know, write a thesis on some philosophical or political or sociological uh, level. She's trying to viscerally engage an idea. The spark of an idea is how she refers to it. Um, but no, there's a quote, and I I, I didn't write down where it's from, but it's it, about art and, and uh, the play art. Uh, it's it's really about how we interpret our own lives based on our friends' lives and decisions. And I thought that that was great because that interpret interpreting is as applicable to the painting in the play as it is to anything else. And yeah. uh, I thought it was great. Loved it.
0: Agreed. Loved it. Can't wait to uh, do our rankings later. Uh, hey, guys, do you have any...
1: spotlight. There's nothing huge except that uh, I think I'm okay to say this uh, because they've been sending out emails today, but by the time this comes uh, gets put up pod, put up broad, broadcast bo- podcast. Sure. Thanks, man. I need to more <laughs> uploaded upload uh, Uploaded. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I don't understand the world and how it works. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, Hollywood Fringe Festival, which is going to be in August this year. It's normally uh May June June, July yeah Uh, it's it's going to be in August this year and it will be uh, at least partially live Uh, (laughs) we'll be able um, it's going to be simulcast it'll be it'll be on the internet and uh, streaming from all of the theaters um, but also people will be able to go and physically watch theater plays if you can afford to do them uh, which is a whole nother subject and we'll save that for a later time thank you very Uh, much uh, (laughs) You got
0: anything, Siege?
2: I do not.
1: <laughs> Fine.
0: Uh, I don't either. Uh, I but, will
2: for the next one.
0: Yeah, theater. theater's back, y'all. It's coming back. People are starting to announce seasons. Broadway's opening back up, which I don't know that we needed that, but some people do. Um, and so, but there's a lot of great things happening um, in terms of, like, all your local theaters, like like, check out their instagrams go follow them like see what they're putting up cuz they might be putting up something exciting soon i know in wichita kansas uh the i'm sure we have a couple listeners at least from wichita uh there's uh, they're about to do a beatles review at the crown uptown historic theater in wichita kansas go nice. check it out uh my dear friend max wilson is directing and producing it oh, uh, right so on. yeah just things like that you can find them there's things to do they're they're probably well uh uh handled in terms of spacing and stuff like that too because we, our livelihood is not getting sick so we you know we gotta keep our actors safe anyway so it'll probably be safe for you too uh cool thank you for joining us for part one of pod of carnage uh <laughs> ch- there will be carnage there will okay. be carnage <laughs> Venom Uh, (laughs) 2. Join us next week. (laughs) Join us next week for part two where we will be finishing up uh, and discussing Unexpected Man. And uh, then we're going to tackle God of Carnage, which I'm excited to talk about. Uh, I'm not going to announce. Or should I announce what's after that? Yeah, I'll I'll announce it. I just won't tell what we're doing yet. So after that. We have the beginning of another bonus mini series because that's right. We love our bonus episodes. <laughs> we we After every it. fifth playwright, we give ourselves a little break from reading plays and instead we just watch movies. Uh, so this time we're inviting our dear friend and original songwriter Pam back to discuss movies about theater. Yeah. I'm excited.
2: Oh. Always happy to have Pam here.
0: Yeah. Always happy to have Pam back, and I'm not going to announce what those four movies are until next week, so you're going to have to wait to know, but we already know. We're yes. very excited to watch them. I'm, I'm super pumped. Uh, what One of them is uh, Shakespeare in Love. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a CJ pick, and we're really pumped about it. Uh, then we have another playwright after that, but I'll announce that next week, and we'll play the whole game, or should we play the game now? I don't know how we should do this. I'm going to try it. After we finish up the next miniseries, we'll begin our next playwright. So let's see if anyone can guess it in our DMs. Hit us up. Last time we had someone guess it pretty quickly. Let's see if you can do it this time. No cheating, don't look it up. The name of the miniseries is Podcast Love Supreme. If you know what it is, send us a DM. Send us who you think it is. It may or may not necessarily be a quote-unquote playwright.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But we're excited to tackle it. Anyway, uh, that's going to be super fun. Yes. That's all I got.
2: Questions, comments, uh, suggestions? Mm. Do you have any corrections that you need to tell us about? Do you just want to say hi and how much you love the show? Please do. You can email us. You can reach us on Instagram, Twitter, Mm Twitter or Facebook. We would love to hear from any and all of y'all. Scott?
1: Thank you, CJ. Um, First of all, big (laughs) huge shout out to Pamela Quinn. Pam Quinn uh, has written our very special uh, Yasmina Reza centric song which you are about to hear and I can't wait to hear it it's a world premiere if you will <laughs> uh, from the great Pam Quinn who will be joining us uh, on our uh, movies about theater uh, episode uh, again it's great to have her around uh, also big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our theme song and for writing all of our amazing stingers Ryan Thomas Johnson uh, writes uh, amazing stuff and he is yes a cool human being our theme song is better than your theme song Mm -hmm. suck it uh and then finally (laughs) (laughs) finally a big shout out to the pulitzer prize winning playwright annie baker who also writes our podcast but doesn't know it what that's right and one day annie baker we're gonna buy you a beer that's all i got yup
0: that's right please subscribe rate review check us out on all the things we appreciate you guys so much. And uh, deuces, we'll see you next time. <laughs> I guess I'd be a hero with sword and armor clashing, looking semi dashing, a shield within my grip. Lecoq. <laughs> <laughs>
3: seat. May I offer you something to eat? We should chat and hash it out. Calm communication so we don't shout. The day is long. We all feel strongly about it all. Incoming call. This won't take all day. It's right versus wrong let's agree and we can all get along we know what's best we know what's fair and we're all here because we all know we care let's have a drink and just rethink all this mess that's what's best put down your phone Or took a turn This did not go well And when you leave you can just go to hell